Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I don't think I had any hints. I had no idea, to be honest with you. So um, I was I, I was confident, you know, in myself, I guess, to where, wherever I ended up, I was going to be in the right place for me. So, again, I'm excited. Tevin, what do you think of coming in with Justin Fields and you guys getting a chance to start something together? Yeah, uh, being able to actually look at his film, you know, I think he's a really great player, great competitor. And uh, I think me and him both are going to be great things for the city and great things for his team. It's a combination of just the well-roundedness, Brad, that he had, you know, his size, his ability to get movement in the run game. He's sturdy and pass pro. You know, we feel he can play both tackle spots, you know, with ease just the personality traits that he has. So it was just, it was kind of the complete package of him that made us feel really good about it. Obviously a lot of excitement through our building tonight. We feel really fortunate to be able to get Justin, you know, in, in the area of the draft, we were able to select him. The excitement throughout our whole building, you can feel it as I walk down here tonight, what he's gonna do for the future of our organization. There's so much guys that goes into this process, as you well know, but starting with Matt and our scouts, and our coaches as we build into this moment and into tonight. But I think, uh, you know, when we select the quarterback, uh, the situation that that quarterback is coming into is critical. Welcome to the Scores continuing coverage of the NFL Draft with your hosts, half of Chicago's top sports morning show, Mike Mulligan, Bears radio sideline reporter, Mark Grody, Bears radio analyst, Tom Thayer, and the voice of the Bears, Jeff Joniak, on Chicago's Sports Radio 670, The Score, and Odyssey Station. Oh, it's it's the first of May, and what a beautiful day, because... It is draft day. Here it is. The Bears still picking. They will finally get back on the board at 151 overall in the fifth round. They have 208, 221, and 228 if you're following along in the sixth round. So that's four more players. And who knows? There have been many surprises already. Uh, Delighted to welcome anyone in. Guys, good morning. A lot of fun today. Yes, it is. Good morning. Thanks for the invite, guys. My goodness. Uh, Tom could be cutting uh, cutting my lawn today instead of doing the draft. <laughs> Ironically enough, I cut the lawn yesterday. But, you know, Molly, when you talk about the picks that the Bears do have left, I think there's more expectations that these players can play now where back in – 
the day back in the latter day it was more of a these are the last picks in the draft they're camp bodies let's get them in here and run them through five weeks of training camp that's not the case anymore so i'm still interested to look at the evaluation process of the bears management and staff and scouts to see where they identify players and positions they need to fortify yeah, and I'd like to see, you know, some work done on uh, the defensive side of the ball, cornerback. Uh, I could see that being a possibility. Also, a, a receiver, edge, inside linebacker. Those are the types of things I'd be looking at right now. But, you know, they've done a nice job, uh, as they was pointed out yesterday by Ryan Pace, in getting some fifth-round guys over the years. So I think the expectation is, yes, this is not just depth positions, but guys that can compete certainly become special teams players and you know a lot of uh, the draft anal- analysts out there they fail to, to realize that uh, from an executive point of view from a player personnel point of view uh, Mike Mark and Tom that this is this is the lifeblood of their teams is th- these guys become role players or glue guys in the locker room that are going to be around for a, for a while and there's a lot of value that comes in these picks right now so it is yeah. is important yeah, I mean, you look from the the fifth round on last year. This is obviously a different season, but Travis Gibson got on the field. Kendall Vildor, obviously, towards the end, played a huge role where they had to put him in. Darnell Mooney, rising star potentially as a fifth rounder. Uh, Arlington Hambright contributed last year as well. And Joniak mentioned those got the success that Ryan Pace has had in the past. In the fifth round specifically with Bilal Nichols, I mentioned Mooney, Adrian Amos, obviously gone now. Same with Jordan Howard. And then, you know, the jury's still out on Travis Gibson and Kendall Vildor, but they were guys who had to play last year. So it is vital that that they look at the end of this draft and continue to get guys who are not necessarily starters, but contributors. We're entering the portion now of the draft where maybe it was uh, maybe maybe it was two reps too few. Maybe uh, it was just a fraction of a second too slow. Maybe there is uh, some concern about a cloud on an MRI. Maybe there is too many clouds on too many MRIs over the years. So this is really we're getting into kind of a scouts portion of the draft. I agree with what you're saying. The fifth round, you still can get guys that will contribute, and Pace has done a great job of that. But as you get into the sixth and seventh round, it's kind of about, it becomes more of the scouts draft. And obviously, the Bears have no sevenths, but they do have the the undrafted free agent market. So you are constantly watching guys and trying to figure out who you're going to be able to invite to camp. It is a huge, huge portion of the player procurement uh, time frame. But guys, let's talk about what they've done so far, right? Let's talk about getting a quarterback, getting an offensive lineman, a quarterback with an unbelievable skill set, and an offensive lineman who could be a tone setter, who is, uh, someone said, the love child of uh, Olin Krutz and uh, Kyle Long. I love that description on Twitter. Uh, what what have they right now? What have they gotten? And then we'll get into what they need to get here before this is out. All right. I, I like to say that, you know, you get two prime positions. In, in the upper rounds of the draft, obviously you're looking for somebody who's going to affect the passing game that's going to affect your offense. So you got the quarterback. 
you you look at edge guys, those guys go off the board, and you look at offensive linemen, particularly tackles, the guys that you think are going to be there for 10 years down the road at, at either position now, right tackle or left tackle. So they got the quarterback and the tackle. And I think on draft night when we did our show on WBBM, I think Tom will probably agree, uh, the move up was clearly to get this guy. We, we had the, the idea. I, I gasped at one point when Sertan went to Denver, and I said, oh, this this is happening. Like, they're going to have to move up here. You cannot – I hope they can pull this off. But I think in talking with Dan Pompey afterwards, we kind of undersold the notion that, wow, they got Justin Fields. Like, th- yeah. this is a big deal for a long time. If it all works out and everything grows right and he's not going to have to be shoved in there to play right away, uh, this is huge. So those two are cornerstone picks presumably now for the future for the Chicago Bears. So I'm very excited about it. The Jenkins, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you guys heard it today, but Mike Gundy, the, the head coach at Oklahoma State, did a Zoom call just moments ago with, with the Chicago media. And that object uh, and subject of his nastiness became a big part of the, the entire Zoom call in that this has been a change in mentality for him only in the last 18 months or so. And they had to really pull this out of him because he's got a laid-back personality and they challenged him to be a dominant player and they had to keep reminding him of of his skill set and that you are the guy that can be a first-round pick that's going to make a lot of money one day and so I'm glad they did that and let's see if it'll continue now under the, the leadership of Juan Castillo on that offensive line Tommy. You know, that's one of the things that Mike talked about at the beginning of this segment. What separates you from a second rounder to a fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounder? And that tenacity is one of those judgments of him that speaks volumes because the coaches come up and they tell you face to face, you got to play more aggressive. You got to be that uh, that finisher that we need out of you. And he was able to answer the bell. And you know, I think it's exciting. You know, Molly, my entire college or my entire high school program, I was listed at six five two forty. When I got to the combine, I was measured at six three and three quarters, and I went to a fourth rounder. So you you talk about those differences. You measure at six five. You're evaluated differently than if you're measured at six three, six three and a half. So, you know that that's that's part so, of the process. So you mean to tell me that you think you dropped to the fourth round because of an inch and a half difference? Oh, hey, listen, every one of you evaluators sit here and have arm <laughs> arm measurements on these evaluations, and that doesn't yeah. mean a hill of beans. Again, you put these measurables up to a guy like Jimbo Covert, and he's still going to be a first rounder, even though he's a stumpy guy. You know, so Tom, you know what I want. Go ahead. I was going to say what they can't measure is the size of your heart. You were like the Grinch; it grew three sizes by the time you got to the NFL. <laughs> right. It made me sign in the USFL that I always talk about. You know, I want to say uh, one thing from from listening to the radio Thursday morning, and you kind of walk around in your regular day life, whether you go to the grocery store, or you run into somebody in the neighborhood. Man, it was really you know negatively talked about the bears in the draft and all of a sudden friday morning you go back to that same grocery store and you look at the response of people in the in the clubs and stuff man justin's fields it's kind of changed their whole way of thinking about the bears from thursday morning to friday morning hey mike and mark i'll tell you one story to piggyback that uh i get a call at a like 130 145 in the morning on friday from a guy who's a football fanatic, but he just wasn't interested in the draft this year, didn't have it on, didn't go on social media, didn't really care because he didn't think the Bears were going to do much. 
And uh, he goes, I get somebody texted me that, wow, we got a new quarterback, and it's Justin Fields. And so now he wants to have a conversation. And I'm on the phone with him for 40 minutes. I'm up past <laughs> 2.30 in the morning talking about you. The excitement level just flipped. And I'm certain that's all through Chicago. The place is buzzing now. It Guys, is buzzing. I think that this might be the first time. And there's been some good. We know there's been plenty of good first-round picks for the Bears as recently as, as Roquan Smith. But I the first time that the, there has been 100% approval rating on a first-round pick by the Bears in the recent era in doing what they did. It becomes more dramatic, obviously, when you jump up and then the whole game changes. But not only do they move up, but they move up to a guy who there was a consensus on, I think, amongst the media and amongst fans that Justin Fields would be an ideal fit with the Bears. I also want to go back to what Jeff was talking about in regards to Mike Gundy and talking about Tevin Jenkins and some of the things that he was saying about him. I thought this was pretty impressive. And obviously, Gundy is going to say glowing things about his player. But he said, I would not be surprised if in two years people will be looking back and saying he was the best offensive lineman in this draft, which I, I think is probably not necessarily a stretch. He said he is so talented athletically below the hips that I can't imagine he would be able or not be able to play on either side of the ball. And and then there's the, the smart guy as, aspect. And Tom Thayer knows that all offensive linemen are brilliant and intellectual, but he called them intellectual, says he never missed classes, not a big partier. If you just saw a mug shot, he looks like he might be going to an engineering class. And I don't know how much of that matters when it comes to football because you want the nasty aspect, but there's a lot of good things about both of these picks that the Bears have made so far. Yeah, you know, and I think as you look at it and break it down, guys, um, Justin Fields might have been the single most scrutinized player in this draft. When you think about him as a as a, in his final year in college, and you look at, at him coming out of college, it was him and, and Trevor Lawrence, and they knew each other, and and they were the one two top players in the in the uh, high school ranks, and and you felt as you watch them compete against each other. And again, you know, not since you brought in a guy like, uh, I guess, Rex Grossman, have you seen a quarterback that's had that level of success in big moments. And you saw him have really big games against Trevor Lawrence. And I think that the scrutinizing of him dropped him from what a lot of people thought going into the, the whole draft season might have been the second player going. And then Zach Wilson pops up and Trey Lance. Oh, my God, Trey Lance, he's a, he's a beautiful uh, landscape that is yet to be painted. We have the slate. Let's turn him into something. And Mac Jones, you know, he's got the Saban blessing and he's going to be the guy because he's so ready to go. For some reason, that player falls out of the top ten. And, Jeff, you're absolutely right. As I was watching him go down the, the, uh, the chart, I was thinking, who's moving up for him? Who's moving up for him? And when the Bears did it, you knew they were going to take him, and you knew they were going to come away with a guy whose skill set speaks so much more to, to uh, Deshaun Watson, to Patrick Mahomes, than to Mitchell Trubisky. That's not a shot at anyone. It's just a different style player than the guy they took uh, when they went up for Trubisky. Yeah, a modernized player at that position, and he didn't have to run much at Ohio State. They wanted him to stay in there and sling it deep. So 
they, those legs are going to carve up some defenses when he gets that opportunity. And, again, I, I know everybody's going to want him to play right away. That, that's just going to be the natural inclination of the fan in all of us. Every time in my time calling games with Tommy and with Hub, any time a new quarterback or a new running back got into the, into the mix, you couldn't wait to see him. And every, there was this palpable excitement, whether it's a preseason game or a regular season game, or for that matter, when Rex Grossman came back in the bitter cold against Atlanta after an injury, and you thought, okay, here we go. Um, so there's going to be that. But I sincerely hope that he just is grown and understands, and they do have what we feel is a blueprint and what we hear is a blueprint of what they did with Mahomes in Kansas City. And just let – don't – if he doesn't have to, then don't make him go out there before he's ready. And I really hope that that's the way – because there's plenty of examples, past, current, and future, that are going to pay dividends if you do that, in my, my opinion anyway. You know, Jeff, it would be irresponsible of the coaches to put Justin Fields on the on the playing surface too early if they were getting a reflection in meetings that he wasn't mentally ready because then I think it makes the game unsafe for him. You have to make sure this guy is up to the mental part of the game in order to go out there and really challenge this whole new line of speed that he's going to face. And I know what he runs and how fast he is, and I think that's going to be one of his saviors early in the learning process. However, this is about if you're going to get the maximum amount of you or uh, of make use of his ability, it's going to be because he is ready and mentally fit to go out and play the game. Yeah, I mean, I, what you don't want is the repeat of 2017 because in that, and, and I, I've talked about this out loud on the radio recently it probably doesn't matter anymore but I, I do wonder how the trajectory of Mitchell Trubisky would have changed had the plan stayed in place where Mike Glennon probably was maybe was the plan was to have him quarterback that entire year who knows how that affects the rest of the career of Mitchell Trubisky so now you bring in a guy who has better credentials than Mike Glennon had and Andy Dalton and the hope is is that he can be a guy who leads the Bears to wins and can be an actual mentor. And I think the good news, too, was in listening yesterday to Justin Fields, he's, of course he would probably love to start day one in the NFL, but he mentioned those guys by name, Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, and how good the quarterback room is and how he's looking forward to learning from both of them. So showing the proper, and, and I'm sure required, respect of the guys that exist there. But there is no doubt. Say what you want to say about both of those guys and the success that they've had or not had. I think that's a very good quarterback room um, in which to, to learn from for, for Josh Fields right away. And hopefully, hopefully they get through at least half the season before they have to put him in. I, you know, it's interesting. We talked to Dave Wanstead on Friday, and he made a point that I really hadn't thought about, which was the very presence of Justin Fields. You're going to see the best out of the Red Rifle. Andy Dalton is going to know that this is a guy that is there and is capable of replacing him if they so deem it time. So you're going to see him try to figure things out and play his best. Not that you don't anyway, but, but Tom, I'd be curious. When you know – I mean, look at, look at Aaron Rodgers. He played pretty damn well. Now, unfortunately, right. they ruined the relationship. But, uh, but I'm not saying Andy Dalton for MVP – but I, it is it is sort of being pushed by a guy, if it if not the actual player when you're on the field, theoretically the guy that's there for the future. 
Yeah, I, you know, this could make money, actually, for Andy Dalton. If he goes out there and he performs at the level the Bears expect him, expect him to play at, to able to use the assets the Bears are going to put on the offensive side of the ball for him, and he and these teams start becoming aware of how he's been able to make the transition now from Cincinnati to Dallas, Dallas to Chicago, and perform at a high level, then they're going to know in the increment of time that they have with their, you know, uh, playoff-ready football team, they bring Andy Dalton aboard, and maybe he can carry him across the finish line. But um, I like the motivation that draft choices behind you put in your back pocket. And whether you're an old guy looking to hold on to your position or, you know, you're a guy, a young guy that's realizes that it's just a matter of time before you're going to win the job from the guy in front of you. Yeah, I mean, Andy Dalton did a nice job with Dallas before he got injured, so there's still a lot of football left in his game. Uh, completely different quarterback than what you're going to see eventually uh, with the Ohio State rookie, but uh, still can move and still get the play-action game going and be the point guard and distribute the football. And hopefully the Bears stretch the field both vertically and horizontally this year, and, and, most, and most importantly, beyond everything else, they got to find a way to score points and score well, touchdowns. Know, yes. Yeah. Jeff, it, it'll be interesting if they do have that rookie mini camp and then they have the mandatory veteran mini camp. Because you have that rookie mini camp, Justin Fields is going to be the quarterback in charge of that those days of football. And then you see the couple of plays that they put in uh, for him. You know, maybe I'll give you an indication of what they want to do with him. All right, guys, we've got to get to a break. We'll be right back. I want to talk to you about. What is next? What's needed most? Jeff, you said it. You got to score points. Do you go for another offensive player? You got to have a corner. At what point does Sean Desai start banging on that draft door? Hey, don't forget me. <laughs> we'll talk about it next. It is our special draft show here on The Score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I say my edge to me is about being able to finish anybody in the dirt. I don't care who you are lined up against me. I don't care what you're wearing against me. I don't care who you are. I'm going to attack you and I'm going to be able to like jump my, I'm going to, basically I'm going to to impose my will against another man and use that force against him until he gets worn out and tired and I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to do that 24-7 and I'm going to do that all game. It is our special draft program. We're delighted to uh, to have you with us and that is Tevin Jenkins. He is the, the second starter taken in this draft. Well, he might be the first starter, but uh, he is the, the uh, tackle that a lot of people had mocked to the Bears at number 20, but Ryan Pace got on his horse, he went up, and they got Justin Fields, and then they came back into the second round, and they moved up again. And this time they got Tevin Jenkins. And, guys, you know, we've talked about needs, and we talked about needs going in. The quarterback's always going to be a huge need. I love that they added help to the offensive line, and I love that they got value by moving up. Now, I'm not I'm not berserk over the fact that they traded a third-round pick after t- trading a, a first and a – and a fourth and a fifth uh, this year and a fourth next year and a first next year. So I think the four picks for one, that's great because you had to have that position. You come back, you got a guy who's probably going to get on the field, and that's great. But now you look at it, and we're just talking about the needs, and, we, and Jeff, you mentioned it going in. Cornerback's a big need for this team. Um, if you're going to score points, you're going to get a wide receiver, right? You, you would think that they got to get another inside linebacker. Hey, you always need defensive line help, always, whether it be a, a, an edge rusher or an interior guy. It seems like there's a lot on the shopping list and maybe not as many picks in as high a spot. What happens from here? As a, you know, you got to have a little luck. Uh, if you've targeted guys, and this is usually where the scouts go out and bang on a table for a guy or a position coach through the scout and in tandem, they say, hey, this is a guy we got to have. I don't know how many times I've been at Hallisaw the day after the draft in the lunch line, and uh, I can remember Jay Rogers, the defensive line coach, saying, oh, man, I am so excited about this piece of granite we got in Bilal Nichols, fifth-round pick. We can, we can mold this guy. We, You know, they're just – the, the the X's and O's and the and the coaching and the teaching just come out of their pores when they they target a guy. So I'm I'm certain they've targeted some guys uh, and hoping that they will follow them. I, I I you know Ryan indicated again you know hey we we might be able to move around a little bit today. So I would expect more trades. You know New Orleans does this all the time. That's where he he understood how to how to go about his business. And I think they've done 21 trades in the last. Uh, 15 years or something like that. So, I mean, he's on that path right now. So it could be a lot of moving up and down. I I, I didn't want to give up a lot of assets this year just because of of the number of needs that I felt that the team had. But in terms of getting these two guys, yes, I'm not, like, wringing my hands. I would have loved to have kept the third-round pick, but that's okay. You got two potential starters here for a long time for the Chicago Bears eventually. You know, if I look at what I need going forward, I still want the interior of the defensive line to be the most vicious part of the defense. When you when you know you have 
the uh, what Mike Pettin can offer you in terms of uh, an evaluator of the inner division offenses, how he saw his defenses, and why was it the most effective. What does he look at in terms of the Bears' personnel and what they need most? If you go back and you look at what the Packers have brought aboard the last couple of years with the, the, the Smith brothers and then defensive interior line help, they have gotten their share of defensive backs, but it's that defensive front that is the most containing in, inside the division. So, I mean, I would still like another guy up front. You lose Roy Robertson-Harris. You lose uh, – the big guy that went to Dallas. You have Mario Edwards Jr. Yes, you got Mario Edwards Jr. back. You mentioned Blaal Nichols. You have, uh, you know, Akeem Hicks. But you got to get more vicious reps out of Akeem Hicks. So I still like that power up front that can be the most damaging to Kirk Cousins, to you know Jared Goff, and you know, hopefully not Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, Tom. Like I, I would have. No problem with the Bears looking defensive line. And you do get Eddie Goldman back this year. Hopefully that will be a huge boost to the Bears. But having taken a year off, I assume he'll be fine. But he was off the entire year last year. As far as cornerback is concerned, that's interesting. Because they bring in Desmond Trufant. Artie Burns is back as well to compete, you know, for that job. The other side, presumably, of Jalen Johnson, the starter. I think Jalen Johnson is going to be a really good cornerback for years to come, but we don't know that for sure. So I think that that's a spot that they could go. I mean, they went. I mean, you still have Duke Shelley who can play corner and mostly on the inside. Same with Kendall Vildor. So that wouldn't surprise me either, as far as the defense is concerned. And then I, I guess we have to assume that Robert Quinn is going to have a better year, that he will be more of the player that Ryan Pace signed last year. Hopefully that's not necessarily a position that you have to think about, but you always have to think about guys that can sack the quarterback. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, they they, they got to get better. And what we're talking about here, you're, you're talking about you've got more players leaving that defense than coming in. I, I'm really hopeful about Eddie Goldman. You know, I, look, I – if we want to talk about Akeem for a quarter of a second here, they allowed him to go out and search for a trade. It, it wasn't it wasn't like they made this ultimate commitment to him. So you've got to take that into account when you're looking at your football team moving forwards. Even if Akeem is here, you know, you've got to be aware of all salary cap implications and all the ways in which you're going to be changing uh, age, birth certificates, whatever it might be. Um, you've got to constantly be getting better all over the place I, I don't know any other way of saying it. You, you have to constantly be improving, and the, the salary cap's a living, breathing organism, and you got to feed it a little bit, and you got to kind of keep it down. You know, leave that thing in the basement. Don't let it out of the house. It's, uh, it's uh, a it frightening some, concept. Hey, Mike, it, it needs some miracle grow right now because it's <laughs> like uh, less than a half a million. I mean, it, it's, right. it's and, and they only, uh, according, you know, before the draft, I think they only had 68 rostered players. You can have 90, so – you got you got to pay those guys to get to 90. So it'll be interesting to see how they massage this even after the draft. And I personally think, not just the Bears, but the entire league, because they could not go out and see all these guys, especially the small school guys. You know, I think I looked and read reports on over 250 players, and there's so few of those small school guys. The FCS, you know, they're playing spring ball for crying out loud, some of them some of the schools so that you know 
there may be some guys that have uh, the scouts have hit the campuses in 2018 and 2019, a little bit in 2020, so they have some background on some guys, and maybe they've stowed away these guys on their boards and say, boy, I hope nobody gets these guys. We're going to get on the phone right after the draft. And, you know, those guys are cost-effective. So are, so is everybody now at this point in the draft cost-effective when it comes to salary cap issues. It becomes a very important aspect of, of it. It's not sexy. No, Nobody – you know, nobody's waiting to see. You know, Brad Biggs has every undrafted free agent signing uh, immediately. So, you know, the, the crazies like me are all over, you know, checking out Brad's Twitter because who's he talked to to find out? He finds out before anybody. Uh, but those guys become very important. And, and you, you know, if yep. you believe in your scouting department, you, you go and get some guys that are not going to cost you much. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you got to get value out of free agents nowadays, and I think there's going to be some diamonds in the rough this year in particular, guys that you haven't seen on the football field for maybe a year. You're kind of aware of their off-season uh, dedication to the workouts they've been putting themselves through, and you're going to see guys that grow have grown up a lot from their junior year in college to their free agency year in the NFL, so... I'm excited to see what you get out of it. You have a free agent that was the glue that kept the offensive line together last year. And, uh, you know, so you have those guys out there. They're going to, you know, be add value to your team. Hey, can I add one thing? I read this this morning, Jerry Jones. Now, you know, I don't know what we all value about what he has to say about personnel since he's the the owner, the – the general manager and and the president. Don't worry, Hub's Hub's not here, Jeff. You could could speak freely about Jerry Jones. But but this is the first person – that I've read anyway, and you guys may have heard something different from other uh, pro personnel people or GMs through this process, because I've wondered uh, in my own mind about the opt-outs, okay? And I know it probably drives Tom a little crazy too because he lives, eats, and breathes football since birth out of the womb. But Jerry Jones says opt-outs are compromised. So, you know, that's a pretty bold statement to make in how they're evaluating you know the process but to say compromise so are your own guys compromised then that have been uh, you know if, if Eddie Goldman was playing for the Dallas is yeah. he compromised in his mind and you know that's kind of an unwritten well, uh, rule mean, not to talk did, about like okay you have Jerry to respect the, the decision did Jerry watch the first round of the draft because if you have <laughs> talent it didn't seem to matter who opted no. out or who didn't there were tons of guys that had opted out I mean, I'm talking about top picks. Yep. It, 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 I, I would, I would, I would say to Jerry that may be true when you're making a decision about two guys, one who played and one who didn't, in the in the fifth or sixth round. But that didn't count at all when you started looking at the top of the draft because there were tons of guys. I couldn't believe the number. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that statement at all. It's like watching sprints at the end of practice and to see if a guy's a little bit tired that he can't play football because, you know, he's not first in sprints. And, um, you know, you see J- Jerry Jones' success rate in evaluating talent, whether it's um, what have they been able to accomplish or outside the lines type of effect that some of his evaluated players have had on his team. So, um you know, he. I think that's just an old school feeling of saying, "I don't believe this guy is a hundred percent committed to the to, to pro life." So they're going to take an opportunity to sit out, which I think it's is a dangerous nonsense. thing to say out there for your for your locker room and stuff. In my opinion, because there are some genuine reasons why guys opted out. Now, th- there's others, and then there's agents involved. 
you know, it, it, it distresses me, honestly, a little bit, and I know this is going to maybe ruffle some feathers, but, you know, obviously uh, Tevin Jenkins, you know, said that his agent advised him not to participate in the senior bowl, wasn't going to do anything for him. Now, that may or may not be true, but it may, may have made him a first-round pick instead of, of a second-round pick, may have, you know, made a different financial impact on him. He was a second-round pick. Now, I'm not saying that would have happened, but, you know, the agents, yes, they are protecting their investments as well, but I, I don't like hearing that because you do want the competitive aspect of the player to show at all times that this is what you're looking for, a guy who embraces it. I'm not suggesting for a second Jenkins doesn't, but, you know, he, he said, well, I was advised by my agent, I trusted my agent, and this is the way I'm going. But, I'm, I, I mean, agents have, have a loud voice uh, across this league and, and in all sports, obviously, but I, I don't know how you guys feel about all that. Well, opting out, guys, has been going on for, for years, obviously not for an entire year, but we see at the end of every college football season now players who don't play in the final game of the year, don't play in their meaningless bowl game. It becomes about their career and making money in the NFL, and so much of – the draft is about taking chances for these guys and these scouts who are paid money to do full-time jobs to know their business, whether or not a guy played in the game, played in a season. It reminds me of when college basketball players, when they would skip college and go right to the pros, sometimes you just have to have the right scouting eye and allow these guys to do their business. But this is not new, the concept of opting out, except for the fact that it was for an entire year in many cases because of COVID-19. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a global pandemic going on. I, I think it's a little different than deciding not to throw or run at the combine, right? I mean, it's uh, – and there there are totally legitimate cases of people that have pre-existing conditions or that have, you know, genuine issues within a family where uh, you, you worry about that sort of thing. So I – I think that's antiquated thinking from Jerry, but I think it does speak to the idea that when we talk about um, players, sometimes it's as simple as as uh, some guys might interview. They might, you know, you can connect with someone. You didn't get a lot of that. You didn't go out to dinner and see a guy's car and fall in love with them because you didn't have that sort of one-on-one type of thing. So it's it's you've had to rely on different ways, and I would imagine that next year will be a completely different draft process when you hopefully get back to sort of normality. Well, you know, when you talk about opting out, you have different types of opt-out because I was always frustrated by Nick Bosa because here's a guy that didn't want to expose himself that he's not durable enough to play the game long-term. So he's been injured so often already in his pro career, but he was injured in his college career. And so he went and sat out so he didn't have to get on the field so he could get ready for the draft. And look, when he's healthy and he's ready to play, he can run off the line of scrimmage faster than a lot of other guys out there. But when you ask them how many games within 17-game season are you going to be able to hold up for, I just don't see it. So I think some guys don't want to show people that they don't have you know, the, the, the ability to stay healthy, to play at an every-game level. It's funny to me, guys, because Tom will text me just arbitrarily middle of the afternoon. You know, most people are looking to embrace the warm weather outside, maybe go for a run or whatever, and he goes, he'll just send me a, a two-word statement. He'll, he'll say something like, 
Nick Bosa. And I know exactly what he's thinking. Because <laughs> things like this bothers him. You know, oh, my gosh. I mean, now this, is, this turned out well, but, you know, you always thought the same thing. Turned out Adrian. well. Turned out wait, well. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Adrian Peterson. You said, oh, yeah, oh yeah, that yeah. guy's going to. Soon as he came, because he was such an upright runner. But he was also such a violent runner. And he ultimately did have a serious injury, of course, but had a great career. He's going to the Hall of Fame more than likely. Uh, but the little things like that aggravate you for perpetuity. It, it is hilarious. I'll just get these arbitrary things in the middle of the day. Like I'm like, man, what are you thinking about this for right now? Well, well I mean, <laughs> you're a, you're an idea man, Tom. We yeah. could do a ten-hour show. Do you need a hug, Tom? It's, yeah. it's a cry for help from Tom Thayer. That's what's right, really thanks. going on here. Yeah. When we come back, I want to play a little connector draft. How much was the picks or was the decision to trade up, in particular, in the second round? How much was that connected to the to the first round decision? We'll talk about it next. It's it's uh, a glorious draft day, May Day here on the Score. I kind of had like three plans, and one was. The first plan was, hey, is there going to be an opportunity to go up and get a quarterback? You know, and let's see if we can make that happen, right? That's that's the first plan. If that doesn't happen, we had another one for some movement, maybe for some other positions uh, that would be value, valuable positions for us that, w- that would also hit some needs and match our board. And then the third one was to stay put. And luckily, plan one executed. It is a beautiful May day. It is the final round the NFL Draft today, and we are breaking it down here on The Score. We've got a panel of experts, the likes of which have never been combined, for God's sake. Well, you hear you hear Tom and Jeff, obviously, on the calls. Uh, Jeff, the voice of the Bears, Tom Thayer. I, I don't, I'm, I'm humiliated once again just to share your airspace, Tom. Bless you, kind sir, for even being a part of our lives. And the great, wonderful Mark Grody. Grody time, as we like to say. I, I listened to, to what Ryan Pace said, and I, and I want to play a little connect a, a draft with you. If indeed you have to give up your first and your fourth next year in order to move up, in addition to your first and your fifth this year, in order to move up to get your quarterback, you know going into next year's draft that you're not going to be able to take an offensive tackle because you don't have a pick, and those guys usually go off the board pretty quickly. So if you were going to move up for another position, maybe it was the tackle position. I don't know that for a fact. But certainly when we look at the strike ratio of tackles in the draft, usually the real good ones, it happens in the first round. doesn't mean it has to, but usually if you can get a guy in the first round, you can get a lot of time out of that position. Because they got the quarterback, because they want to protect the quarterback, because they don't have a pick next year, is that why they felt comfortable moving up for a guy in Tevin Jenkins that uh, that that a lot of people thought would go uh, at 20? I feel that they have a guy that they identified that was your starter coming in. And regardless of what they have in Jermaine Effetti or Lachavius Simmons and the other you know, tackles that are going to be out there competing. They feel if they come in here and they can insert this guy, and then they can take the rest of the pool of talent. And, you know, there's maybe some movable, tradable parts in, within this interior talent they have. And then you just try to match up a, a quarterback with an offensive lineman and, you know, put him in there for a decade. And 
But, you know, that's the thing about Tevin Jenkins. You know, you heard how aggressive and how confident he is in his interview. He's He's got to be able to transfer that from the podium to the field. And so he's put the challenge out there that he's going to put up a fight against every defensive lineman he faces throughout the rest of his career. But, you know, if he has that much confidence, I, I you know, you got to have a pretty good feeling that – he can take what he's been able to do in college in his style play because he's able to pitter-pat with power. And I think that's one of the key ingredients for an offensive tackle, and it really keeps you injury-free. And that was Dick Stanfeld. He always talked about keeping your feet moving constantly, and that's kind of his style play. So um, the Bears are in a really interesting position because if Tevin comes in here and takes a starting job, they immediately become an a younger offensive line with bars. Mustafer, even Cody Whitehair is not old. James Daniel is a young guy. So they have a lot of talent there to put together a young offensive line for a period of time to come. You know, to answer your overall question, connective, you know, I, I, I note that teams do that. And if you really, you know, you like to do that to, to, they're looking at 2022 as well, but in, in this case, you know, Ryan, he just he he his philosophy and whether or not it, it it doesn't sit well with people or, you know, it is what it is. This is how he he lives his life in the draft room and just in general, no regrets. So he he's he's thinking about the moment, and that's why he's constantly trading up and down the draft, mostly up in the draft. So he's comfortable with giving up assets for somebody that he just has to have and that they've, as a group, have decided that this is the way we're going. So I, I do understand what you're saying, Mike, and that is a, a, a very good philosophy as well to look at because you do, you got to look down the road a little bit. But at the same time, you're living in the now, and how many times, especially at the quarterback position of late now, all of a sudden a guy comes out of nowhere like Joe Burrow or, in this case, Trey Lance this year, and all of a sudden, you know, everybody's – clamoring to, to make a move the, the next year for a, a draft pick that you didn't even have in the fifth round the year before. So it, it is an interesting way to look at things, but I think everything is about right now trying to get this team rolling as soon as possible. And some of this is make good, too, because I remember last year everybody thought the Bears at er, in the earlier rounds were going to take an offensive lineman. They, they waited till the seventh round where they took two guys and Arlington Hambright and Latavius Simmons. But as the rounds went on, everybody was like, where's the offensive lineman? Where's the offensive lineman? And you could say the same thing with the quarterback last year. Everybody assumed that Ryan Pace would take a quarterback. He never did. So he gets those two guys this year in Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins. And all of a sudden, Last year, you had a, a, a rough first half, obviously, with the offensive line, trying to figure out what it was, and then they realigned the whole thing. So so quietly last year, when you move Sam Mustafer to center and you put Cody Whitehair back at guard and, and move a Fetty inside and Alex Bars outside and you still have uh, Charles Leno over at the left side, all of a sudden, slowly but surely, the offensive line moves to a position of strength and now, if Tevin Jenkins is what we think he is, and I think he could be a day one starter at either of the tackle positions, the way Ryan Pace is sounding, all of a sudden, the offensive line might move to a position of absolute strength this year where you can you could plug it in and leave it alone and let it go. And I don't know if that's really something that the Bears have had 
on Matt Nagy's watch to have that offensive line to protect the quarterback, to allow him to run the ball the way he wants to, to essentially run the system Matt Nagy has wanted to run since he got here. Well, I, you know, that is, to me, the, the greatest thing about this is the idea that Matt Nagy came here with a system in, in mind to run, uh, needing a certain player to do so, apparently, because it didn't work with the guys that they tried. But I would hate to see the I, – I hated the idea that Matt Nagy would somehow be done in Chicago and we'd never see what he wanted to do. So I think that's one of the reasons that you can be excited about the draft. We know, you know, this is a man we learned at last year's draft. He sits in a room that is papered with his own plays, for God's sake. He loves being a play caller. He loves having the be me you or be you list that, that he checks in so much that he papers the, the walls with them. And he sits there, and, and I'm sure after that draft, he was running around looking at the various plays that he can call for his new uh, quarterback. And, and I think that's an important thing to remember, that, that there is like a whole wide body of things that they could never get to before, and now maybe you can finally get some of that done. Hey, Molly, what happens if that's not until next year? Well, you know, that, I mean, there's a really peculiar scenario that's presented itself here with Matt Nagy taking over the play calling. And if you're looking at, a, at an office that you're thinking of ha- plays in your mind and you're thinking of the talents and the athleticism – of Justin Fields or else you're looking at plays that are designed for a more of a a stationary type of QB. We got to ask that question. We've got to ask that question. We'll do so when we come back. Does this draft, these picks, especially the quarterback, does that mean there is more long-term certainty and less one and done to this administration? We'll ask that next. Molly is here with some of the greatest uh, contributors in the history of the world. Guys, I love you. Love you, man. Draft Day, May Day. We'll be right back on The Score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.